0: Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly.
1: And I am your co host.
0: What Austin. the hell was that?
1: It was like a drum roll.
0: No, that was not what. No, that was not a drum roll. People are going to hear that and make like
1: ASMR. They're not going to like they're it. They're
0: not going to like it at all.
1: One star. Austin makes stupid noises.
0: That have you ever heard a drum? roll? I meant
1: roll? to go. That's what I should have done. Yeah,
0: that's a drum roll. What you did was like a flopping fish. Stop doing it. <laughs> it's gross. Oh my god. Okay, listen. Before we get started, I want to ask Austin a question. Aside from if you've ever heard a drum roll before, Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> If you're not interested in our banter before true crime, I totally get it. And you can hit that skip button until you hear our intro music. So thank me later. Austin, I have a question. Yeah, I heard. How often do you think about the Roman Empire?
1: Okay. I Listen, I got asked or I uh, saw this on somebody's story the other day. Weekly.
0: No you do not.
1: So I have a freaking
0: Oh my god. That's I have a true.
1: coin around my neck and it's an ancient Roman coin from 165 AD with Marcus Aurelius. I almost would be daily, but I would say weekly because it's not quite daily, but I'd say probably realistically four times a week. <laughs>
0: What in what context are you thinking about the Roman all Empire? This blows th- my mind. No,
1: all kinds of things. Stoicism, ancient philosophers, Julius Caesar, Cleopatra, Antoni- Antoninus Pius, who is Marcus Aurelius' stepdad. Marcus Aurelius lost seven sons. Seven, seven sons. That's a lot. In the Roman, in ancient Roman days, you would, you know, you were lucky to make it to you were lucky to make it to 20. But if you made it to 40, you were likely to make it to 80. And like people would die. People were crapping in the streets. They knew nothing. And and like Marcus Aurelius, who's around my neck, most powerful man in the world, yet such a relatable guy. And he wrote the book. Right now, today, in today's world, you have Meditations, which is arguably like the greatest book ever written. And it was written. It is diary entries. It's from Marcus Aurelius's journal. And he'd probably be mortified if he knew we were reading it now. And so I'm super into Ryan Holiday. Yeah. I I didn't know you were going to ask me this, but I literally just thought of this yesterday because it was on my graphic designers, um, Instagram story. Yes. And I swiped up and I said easily weekly for me and almost daily.
0: So yeah, it's this trend going around right now and it's kind of like blowing a lot of women's minds. It's this um, divide between men and women. Women mm-hmm. are asking their husbands how often they think about the Roman Empire, and nine times out of ten, they're surprised to learn that their husband thinks about it somewhat frequently. And I did not know this was a thing, and I think most women who have been asking their husbands this question think the same thing. They are they are surprised that their mm-hmm. husband thinks about it this often, because I never think about it. I, I guess I just...
1: Well, and a lot of the guys... Well, based on this board, so... um. Selena, our graphic designer. Mm-hmm. She, Selena is the lead person in charge of all creative for the Phoenix Suns.
0: Yes, and shout she, out Selena
1: Neiman. Shout out <laughs> Selena Neiman. So we had she had on her story a picture of a board, a whiteboard, and it said "Men write in blue, women write in red, or vice versa." And it was like, "How often do you think the Roman Empire?" And there was all these uh, columns, and it was daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, never, mm-hmm. and all the women were in never. A handful of the men were in Never. There were a few men in Quarterly. There was like a couple in Monthly, and there was one guy in Weekly. And I was like, man, I'm Weekly. And there was nobody in Daily. I'm almost Daily, though.
0: That's so interesting. But now that you say all those things, it makes total sense to me. I just never... Mm I never realized that you thought about it that often, but when you talk about your necklace that you wear every day, I rem- mm-hmm. we got that in New York. That was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I remember how excited you were about your necklace, your stoicism book. like You are really into that stuff. I, and I just I mean, never tied it to the Roman Empire or just Rome.
1: I would say 90% of my <clears throat> runs, I listened to some form of Ryan Holiday stoicism, Joe Rogan talking to Ryan Holiday. It's tough about Marcus Aurelius. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah. So the irony here is that we just recently got a review that someone loved Austin, Austin because he's so clueless when it comes to true crime, and they called him a lovable dumb dumb, and I awesome. just thought that was so good. But I'm actually kind
1: of an intellectual thinker and like I just am not into true crime.
0: Yes. No, you are very intellectual and you, you think deeply. You're very self-aware. Like people nice. don't give you enough credit because they don't know <laughs> you well enough beyond this podcast. Yeah, but yeah, that's interesting.
1: And like Marcus Aurelius, he died from the Antonine Plague. And you think about that and like, think about COVID and what just happened. Like, whatever you think of that, but it's just interesting, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah, I, I I didn't know that was a trend. I thought that was just some random thing. When you just asked that, I was like, what, why are you asking me this? So that's a trend.
0: Yeah. It's, it's going everywhere. It's all over right now. So this morning um, we were on our way to school and they were talking about it on the radio, um, talking about this trend that's going on. And somebody said um a joke that was some people don't think Cleopatra's hold on, let me say this again. No, just say it. <laughs> some people think Cleopatra isn't that pretty, but that's not how Julius Caesar.
1: Oh, that's funny. Because right? Julius Caesar was married to Cleopatra or was a relationship with Cleopatra. Yeah, but it's anyway, you know, what I, you isn't know what's so funny? funny? I was just listening to something the other night and I heard Cleopatra's name and I was thinking. I have a feeling that a lot of people here, they know the name Cleopatra, but they have no idea that it's from like 80 AD. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, did you know that? Did you know it's from like Cleopatra is a person from way back when, before all this, did you know that?
0: Well, I knew that she was a person that existed. I don't know anything about her, though.
1: That's my point, though. Like, I feel like a lot of people might, like, I'm just spitballing here, okay? But I feel like a lot of people, if they heard the word Cleopatra, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a person. And if you said to somebody, when was Cleopatra alive, I don't think many people would realize it was 1,800 or 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. I think most people would be like, I don't know, 1,800s? Yeah,
0: except Jack, who, by the way, my point of telling that Julius Caesar joke— is that after they said that joke on the radio, Jack goes, "Yeah," and Mom. Jack is our son. If you do, if you don't know, um, Jack, who's ten, goes, "Yeah," and Mom. Did you know that Cleopatra and Julius Caesar had a baby, and they named him Little Caesar?
1: Oh, that's another joke. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all. That's awesome.
0: Um, but no, I think if you had this conversation with Jack, he would probably know because he's into all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Fun intro. Yeah. Are you ready to get into today's story? Let's do it. Well, today's story is one of the most shocking and infuriating crimes you've probably never heard. It's a story about a family fighting for their daughter, trusting their guts, and never, ever giving up despite pushback from detectives who seemed disinterested in her case. It's a case about vulnerability and trust, and how sometimes the worst things happen to the best people. And it's impossible for our heads or our hearts to really wrap ourselves around that. This is the story of Mary Collins. On sunny July 6th, Casey Del Pezzo became a mother to a beautiful girl named Mary Santina Collins. She was named after her great-great-grandmother, a woman of wisdom and love, carrying forward a legacy of kindness. Santina, her middle name is Italian for saint, and it seemed Mary was destined to live up to that title. From a young age, Mary was a reflection of inner and outer beauty. Her smile could light up a room, but it was her golden heart that truly stood out. She was vibrant, sweet, with an innocence that made her incredibly trusting. Where others saw flaws or dangers, Mary saw potential and goodness. She really had an uncanny ability to focus on the bright side, even when every, everyone around her was lost in the shadows. Mary had a way of not just seeing the good in situations and people, but also drawing it out. She could turn any circumstance into a moment for kindness and joy. She grew up with her grandparents, Mia and William Alderman, but her mom and her aunts all played a very big part in raising her. See, Mary was born with a genetic condition called 22Q, which is the second most common genetic disorder next to Down syndrome. Now, no two cases of 22Q are exactly the same as it can affect various parts of the body in different ways. Sometimes it presents a heart defect or an immune system deficiency. Sometimes it can affect your speech, And that was the most noticeable symptom that Mary presented. It's common for people with 22Q to have a cleft palate, and Mary was born with an opening in her palate that was above the roof of her mouth, so it wasn't immediately visible to the naked eye. So when she was growing up, she had trouble eating certain foods and had a lot of trouble communicating, so she learned sign language. But by the age of six, she started talking and shocked everyone when she was able to form words. She was very soft-spoken and couldn't yell or be loud, but she persevered and communicated in the best ways she knew how. As she continued to grow, it also became clear that she had a mild intellectual deficit, so compared to her friends, she had the capacity of someone about 5 to 10 years younger than her actual age. As a teen, she was so full of life and love and good energy— She loved to have fun. She always saw the bright side in every aspect of life. She had a great sense of humor, pulling pranks on her siblings or her friends. She really lived life so fully. She also loved listening to music and dressing up for impromptu photo shoots with her friends. She was very creative and confident with her style choices. She loved to change the color of her hair, and she had a unique, like, punkish, emo style. In high school, Mary had a tight-knit group of friends and dated a couple boys, one of whom was a guy named Lavi Fam. They'd hang out at each other's houses and sometimes go get sushi because it was Mary's favorite food. But as their relationship progressed, they realized they were better off as friends, so they broke up, but they stayed in touch. After high school, many of Mary's friends drifted apart. Some went off to college, some dove into their careers— Some struggled to leave the high school mentality behind after graduation, and one of those people was a woman named Kelly Lavery. Kelly was 24 years old at the time, and she started commenting on Mary's pictures and videos. On one post, Kelly commented below Mary's picture saying, have you ever thought maybe, just maybe, you ain't shit? And then right below that comment, she wrote, quote, I'd want to disappear ASAP, to be honest. And she'd say, you should work on being less ugly, or you're a dumb bitch and I hope you get hit by a Walmart truck.
1: What a nightmare of a person.
0: Absolutely. And now why would Kelly have an issue with Mary? Well, in my opinion, Kelly was jealous of Mary. Kelly started dating Lavi Pham, the same guy Mary dated in high school. But Mary was objectively more beautiful than Kelly, inside and out. Mary had a heart of gold, while Kelly had a heart of coal. Mary was well-liked by anyone who met her. Kelly didn't have any friends, just her boyfriend. But then, just as soon as she'd hit send on those mean comments, Kelly's attitude would switch towards Mary, and she would be apologetic and kind. And Mary, who always sought to see the best in people, would forgive Kelly. Although her real friends and her family would try and warn her that the way Kelly was behaving was not indicative of an actual friend. During another altercation, Kelly said something to Mary to upset her, and Mary asked her to leave her alone because she was acting like she was still in high school. Kelly, a 24-year-old adult, responds with, quote, You want to know why it doesn't matter? My parents are millionaires. I get to have a bad personality. Are your parents private jet rich, Tesla rich, designer shit rich? Does your daddy make $700,000 annually? I can treat people however I want.
1: classic case of a dumbass person who thinks they're better than somebody because of things. This is like I live by this, okay? You're no greater, no less than anybody. People like this suck. And I think that saying, sorry to go off track, but like you're no greater, no less than anybody. A lot of people struggle with feeling less than when they walk in a room, and you should remember that saying so you have confidence to walk in a room. And you're no greater than anybody. If you think you're better than somebody just because of – the cars, the designer—like you suck. Those there's, kind of people suck.
0: There's an obvious void within her that is deeply rooted in insecurity. Yes, and that is why this bad behavior and this arrogance is so loud. It's because you're deeply unhappy and you're insecure. Mm-hmm. It's it's really that simple. Mm-hmm. So on Saturday, March 28th of 2020, the world was shutting down due to COVID. Many were in hysterics because we couldn't work. We couldn't socialize face-to-face. We couldn't go to restaurants. It was a very wild and disconcerting time. And that same day, Kelly reached out to Mary, apologizing for her past behavior and offering to hang out at Lavi's apartment since they couldn't go anywhere else. She offered to have just a little movie marathon girls' day. Mia, Mary's grandmother, expressed concerns about this, not only because of the social distancing mandates, but also because of Kelly's unpredictable past. She urged Mary not to go, but Mary, who's 20 years old and technically an adult, made up her own mind. So Kelly ordered Mary an Uber to pick her up and bring her to Kelly and Lavi's apartment at the yards of Noda. Mia was able to track Mary's phone and saw that she arrived at the apartment complex safely. She also kept in touch via texting just to make sure everything was going okay. And when Mia asked Mary when she planned on coming home, Mary didn't respond. However, Lavi was posting on his social media videos of them walking around the apartment complex and appearing to have fun in the elevator. And then on Sunday, March 29th, Mary's grandmother sent a message to Lavi and Kelly telling them that Mary needed to call them immediately. They didn't respond, but Lobby started posting on social media more videos of he and Kelly buying Mary her favorite food, sushi. That evening, around 7.30, Mary's family sent another message to Kelly this time, saying, Kelly, Mary's phone is off. We have a family emergency. Please have her call as soon as possible. Thank you. Monday, March 30th, Mary's grandmother Mia goes to the yard's apartment complex to look for Mary herself. Mia starts banging on the door, but there's not an answer, so she starts yelling that if they don't answer the door, she's going to call 911. So finally, Kelly opens the door, and Mia confronts Kelly and Lavi, but they insist that Mary left earlier that day. Mary refused to believe that and started yelling for Mary. She entered into their apartment and started looking for her, but wasn't allowed in their back room. She called 911 and was told she had to go home to file a report, but she really didn't want to leave. She knew in her gut Mary was still in there. The dispatcher instructed her to go home and complete a missing persons report, but she insisted. Police eventually showed up to the apartment, but they weren't able to get Kelly or Lavi to answer the door. Nobody ever came to the door. Police also went to Mia's house to file the missing persons report and told Mia that a missing persons detective would be in touch with them soon. So Tuesday, March 31st, the missing persons report is officially filed despite warnings that they believed Mary was actually an endangered person and required more urgency. Detective Gaskins, who was assigned to the case, got a hold of Mia that day but told her that he wouldn't be able to make it out to the apartments yet so she called 911, and a third officer was sent out to the apartment complex. This time, Lavi answered the door and allowed Mia in, but not the police. Mia noticed someone was lying on their bed, appearing to be asleep, and Lavi told her that it was Kelly. After again not finding Mary, they went to the apartment manager to check surveillance footage to see if Mary was captured on their CCTV. Later that day, Kelly acted like she wanted to help find Mary, reposting posts about the search for Mary. By Wednesday, April 1st, the search for Mary continued, and Kelly and Lavi told the detectives that they were beginning to feel threatened by Mary's family. So the detective told them to back off a little bit. Mary's family felt like nobody was helping them mm-hmm. and that the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department wasn't helping them or prioritizing the search for Mary.
1: Understandably so. hmm
0: on April 2nd, search parties are formed, and they're growing quickly with people looking everywhere. Trash sites, woods near the apartment complex, train tracks, a drone was brought out as well. Even bloodhounds were brought to assist in the search. The detective tells Mary's family that she is definitely not in the apartment, but he seems to be disconnected and cold towards them. At this point, Mary's family realized that if they want to see something done in this case, they're going to have to do it themselves. One of Mary's friends started scouring the internet and social media, searching for even the smallest clue when she came across a post made by a witness who said they overheard a man named James Salermo bragging about a violent attack on Mary. He also claimed that Mary's body was hidden inside the mattress of Kelly and Lavi's bedroom.
1: In so, the mattress?
0: In the mattress. Oh, So they alerted Detective Gaskin, but for whatever reason, he never requested a search warrant for their apartment.
1: Dropping the balls.
0: But what's even crazier is that Detective Gaskin went to the apartment and specifically asked to see this mattress that Mary was allegedly hiding in. Lavi let him in to the apartment and he showed him the mattress, even lifting it up to show him that nothing was hiding within or below the mattress. Now, Friday, April 3rd, the Yards apartment complex allowed Mary's family to view the surveillance footage. But unfortunately, because they just entered into a new month, the previous month was erased. So they weren't able to view any footage from just days ago after Mary was missing.
1: Sounds like a shitty security system.
0: Mm-hmm. On Saturday, April 4th, Mary's been missing now for eight days, and the desperate search for her continued until about 10 p.m. when Mary's family received a phone call from someone in the area who was assisting in the search. They said authorities had found Mary and that there was an ambulance at the apartment complex, so they think she might still be alive. Mary's mom rushes to the ER in hopes that she'll meet the ambulance there, but everything is shut down because of COVID-19. So she soon finds out that Mary isn't there, and she goes towards the second hospital, but gets a phone call from her son-in-law, who said she needs to come home. Two police officers arrived, not including Detective Gaskin, and they informed them that Mary was found inside Kelly and Lavi's apartment, and she was not alive. A former classmate of Mary's had been heavily invested in this case and was doing her own research to find Mary— She insisted Mary had to still be in that apartment. And she went to the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department to give an official statement. So at this point, homicide detectives were brought in and they got a search warrant to scour the apartment. And it was then that they found Mary's body inside the mattress.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: The mattress springs were taken out to create space for Mary's body and she was wrapped in various types of plastic and duct tape, she had been stabbed 133 times. And the smell was poorly masked by Cascade dish soap and a pumpkin spice shower gel. Kelly and Lavi were arrested and brought in for questioning. They both gave the same statement, that Mary came over on the 28th, but left on the 30th between 11 a.m. and noon to go see some other friends. They also admitted that they weren't the only ones at the apartment with Mary. James Salerno was a 22-year-old friend of theirs who was also there with a girl he'd met on Tinder, 18-year-old America Deal. Kelly, Lavi, and James were all charged with first-degree murder, first-degree kidnapping, and concealing or failing to report a death, and they were each held without bond. America had— Her
1: name is America Deal. Yes. What a deal.
0: America had fled the state at that point. So during the investigation, detectives found text messages text messages between Kelly and Lavie discussing plans to lure Mary to their apartment and try to get her to participate in a threesome with them, and that if she refused, they would kill her. When she arrived at the apartment, they spiked her drink with Xanax to try to subdue her— And afterward, she was assaulted and then put into a bathtub where she was stabbed 133 times. She bled out into the bathtub before she was removed and wrapped wrapped in plastic. And according to James Salerno's phone records, he was at the apartment the entire time. America was eventually tracked down, but not before the idiot went on social media to post a photo that she had written of a to-do list with the following goals. Praise the Lord. Break the law. Take what's mine. Take some more. Unfortunately, learn proper grammar and be a good human being didn't make the list. She turned herself in to police all the way over in Thornton, Colorado, where she was then extradited back to North Carolina to face charges for her involvement in Mary's murder. She was charged with felony accessory after the fact and concealing a death. She was held in custody until a bond hearing was held 15 months later. But on September 18th of 2021, she was released out on bond. Now, this was hugely upsetting to Mary's family, especially when they learned that she would not even be monitored while she was awaiting her trial. Back in 2019, officials in Charlotte, North Carolina, changed their electronic ankle monitoring procedures to not include murder suspects. Oh, it makes sense. Right. It was in some, like, backwards like reverse psychology attempt or hope that judges would then not release murder suspects on bail. However, they never actually consulted the judges on this. So judges are still letting them have bail, but they're unaware that if they make bail, they won't be monitored. Like, who's running
1: this? So backwards.
0: So Mary's family, understandably, wasn't having it. They went to the district attorney to arrange a hearing to discuss the conditions of America's bail. Now, during this hearing, the judge reviewed the case and imposed a third-party electronic ankle monitoring system, a curfew of 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., and a restraining order preventing her from contacting any of her co-defendants.
1: Makes sense.
0: I mean, sounds like what we probably should have done from the start. Mm -hmm. In June of 2022, Kelly accepted a plea deal and pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, a somewhat lesser charge, Kidnapping and concealment of a body. The judge sentenced her to 20 to 25 years behind bars on the murder and kidnapping charges, plus an additional five to seven years on the concealment charge. Lavi, however, pleaded not guilty and is still awaiting trial. James Salerno also pleaded not guilty to charges of murder, concealing a death, and kidnapping. He was previously being held without bond since his arrest was nearly three years ago. But in January of 2023, the judge set his bond at $250,000. And then on June 3rd of 2023, he was released on bond. Mary's grandmother, Mia, was enraged when she heard this, saying, quote, You have enough evidence to jail somebody, arrest them, and put them in jail, and have them await a sentence or trial for first-degree murder. Then they shouldn't be out walking the street where they can hurt somebody else. These people need to be held accountable for what they've done because you can't just stab somebody over 133 times, bash their head in, force drugs down her throat, and do other unspeakable things to her, kill her and take her and wrap her in plastic, hide her in a mattress and take her from us. I mean, her
1: being upset is super reasonable. Yes. And it's crazy. I mean, I don't know how these people have a bond. And to be honest, I mean, just. With the people they run around with and who they are, you know, obviously with a bondsman, they're doing $250,000 bond. They're getting out for 25 grand, mm-hmm. you would assume. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can't believe they know somebody who can help them, but still, why are they allowed to?
0: Right. Those are the facts. Those are the black and white facts of the case. So why on earth would he be allowed to get out? That is baffling to me. If you are even an accomplice to a murder like that, you shouldn't be allowed to get out. Mm-hmm. Kelly Lavery could get out as early as June 29th of 2047. At her sentencing, her sister looked at Kelly and said, you saw the light of my sister and wanted to put it out because you don't know what light is. End quote. And I thought that was just really touching. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mia said, quote, I'm destroyed. There's no language for how I'm doing. No language exists for this kind of agony what they did to Mary, what she went through, the depravity, the level of just the heinous, horrible things they did to her. And that I wasn't there. I couldn't stop them, end quote. I I just can't help but feel so sad for her family because they wanted to protect her. They tried to protect her. But you could only protect someone to a point, right? And at Mm -hmm. this point, she's 20 years old. She's technically an adult. And you try to let them have some sort of normalcy, You know at the age of 20 despite knowing that they're vulnerable i just i'm sure that the regret eats them alive every day Mm -hmm. mary was 20 years old she was caring compassionate gracious and kind she had so much more to offer this world more than kelly lobby james or america combined could ever offer anyone they are wastes of space wastes of breath and air And I hope that this story serves as a lesson to the police department and how they handle missing persons cases, especially cases involving people with mental deficits. Mary's family knew something was wrong. She wasn't just a runaway like everyone was treating her. She wasn't just an adult having fun with her friends. She was in trouble. And her family's fears should have been validated and recognized and seen, not just brushed under the rug. They fought like hell before and after they found her. Despite roadblock after roadblock, despite so many disappointments from the justice system, they persevered because they knew what Mary deserved. And now Mary's memory will live on because of her family.
1: Man, super sad.
0: Yeah. You know, when I think about that, like the fact that she was a vulnerable person who had some intellectual deficits, I'm just thinking like, You've got to be an extra special type of evil to harm somebody that has a harder time to stand up for
1: themselves. To target that type of person. Yes,
0: to target that type of person. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, you are just a special type of scum. Yeah. And I really hope, I'm going to say this, I really hope they all get the shit beat out of them in, in uh, jail. <laughs>
1: get what I almost said high school.
0: But honestly, you deserve a life of misery mm-hmm. at this point. That's all I have for today.
1: Super sad. Sorry. Well written. Thank you. And you gave the true crime people just what they wanted.
0: Yes. Anyway,
1: have a great weekend. Mama <laughs> Mystery out. Bye.